In the name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. What did you come here today to hear? Why did you come to this place and not some other church? Why did you come to this place and not do something else? It's summertime. Even though it's a broiler outside, it's the time that we go out and we vacation. We go out and we enjoy the outdoors. We go out and do all of those things that we've been longing to do. Why did you come here this morning? What is it that I can give to you? What is it that I can speak to you that may make you leave this place feeling encouraged? Maybe feeling a little bit better about life. Maybe feeling like things are maybe on the up and up. Things are looking a little bit better in our society, our community, and our church. It's really difficult to stand up here today as a pastor. As many pastors will tell you of all generations, it's difficult to speak to a room full of people because so many people have so many different ideas of what they want to hear. I'm working with a congregation in our circuit right now that is vacant. And when that congregation is vacant, they receive a list of names of pastors. You all went through that just a little over a year ago. And what's the one thing that this congregation is doing right now as they receive these names? They're going to Google. They're searching the name. They're going to Facebook. They're looking up the church. They're going to YouTube. We've got to see what they're like in the pulpit. And it's been amazing to hear some of the feedback. We don't want to interview this pastor because they were a little dry in the pulpit. We don't want to interview this pastor because we didn't like some of the things that they said. And as I'm sitting here honestly listening to this as a pastor, I kind of think, gee, I've had 21 calls, I've had almost 50 congregations interview me throughout my career, and it's like, what would they be saying about me as well? So many people put emphasis on what is said from this place to you. And if we sat down with each one of you here today, you would probably give some sort of different opinion or thought about what you want to hear. We need to hear more about contemporary issues and less about doctrine, old-fashioned doctrine. We need to hear more about making our lives better and not so much about Jesus' death and resurrection, about the fact that He actually rose from the dead. You always seem to talk about forgiveness, forgiveness of sins over and over again, even though sins are what cause all of our deaths. It's difficult. And every time we have somebody new who comes in to visit, to shop, as they like to say, the church shop, the pressure mounts even more so. What are we going to say? What am I going to do today? Can we be on target as a church and can I be on target as a pastor? C.F.W. Walther, the founder of our Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, the first president, said it well. One of the first statements that I heard in preaching class, the technical term was homiletics, that is a class that taught you how to teach or preach. One of the first things that we heard from our professor was a quote from C.F.W. Walther. 
Walter said very simply, the sheep judge the shepherd. The sheep judge the shepherd. The sheep who gather here today judge what the shepherd says from the pulpit. And if you as a pastor do not preach the truth of God's word, the true law and gospel, the true meaning of our sin, our death in, in the law, and the true meaning of the gospel in forgiveness and resurrection, then Walter says, to paraphrase, you will send yourself to hell as well as your people. And your people will spend eternity looking at you saying, why did you bring us here? I didn't sleep after I heard that. I still have problems with that, but it's the truth. A pastor is held to a higher standard on the day of judgment, more so than people who sit in the pews. But what did you come here to hear today? And if you are sheep who are to judge the shepherd, could you do that? Do you know enough about the Scriptures to judge what I'm going to say to you here today to say, yes, that was right, or I don't know, this sounds a little fishy. Do you know enough about the Scriptures, the Old and New Testament, to say, this was spot on. This is what we needed to hear, despite whatever it is the world wants to hear. Or, do you need, did you hear this and say, it needs improvement. It needs to be more relevant. It needs to be more contemporary. Something that gives us something to survive the day-to-day -day chaos that's going on around us. All of our readings today point to that. Beware of false prophets. You know false prophets. We know them well enough. I'm not going to sit here today and give you all sorts of ways and means to fish out the false prophets. We see a lot of them mainly on television and the internet. They're talking about health, wealth, and prosperity. I think it's actually been quite funny that during the pandemic, a lot of these guys who have the health, wealth, and prosperity are speaking to empty churches. And you can, in a sense, see on their faces that this doesn't really work without a huge group of people saying their amens and everything else. They seem frustrated speaking to a camera with thousands of empty seats. And yet it's all about them casting aside COVID and this pandemic and everything else. But what did we hear today? The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also glorify with Him. The truth of the Scriptures is, is that no matter where you are at in life, healthy, wealthy, and wise, or downright miserable, pandemic-ridden, or hospitalized, you are the beloved children of God. No matter where you are at in life, how frustrated you are, how joyful you are, you are the children of God. No matter where you are at in life, if things seem bleak or they seem like a bright future, Jesus Christ has come still to take away your sins, your death sentence that those sins caused. 
to wipe the slate clean, to forgive you by His most precious blood, and to raise you on the last day from the dead. Eh, we heard this last week. Been there, done that. We heard this from the guy that was before you, Pastor Schaff, and the guy that was before him, and the guy that was before him. It seems like it's over and over and over again. Have you maybe noticed the pattern here? This is why we are here. Why? Because as soon as you walk out the door, and as soon as I take off all of this, we're going out there. And it doesn't even take us going out there to get into the messes that we make in our lives. The sins that caused Jesus' death continue to pile up more and more and more, and we continue to fire up the flames of sin and the devil more and more and more by our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. And we do not go out as salt and light. We do not go out with the love of our neighbors that Jesus tells us to do. We do not go out as a people of mercy. We go out as people centered on ourselves and what we want out of life and how we can be better gods of our life. That's not very motivating. That's not very helpful. Let's go find another place. Church is not always about being comfortable. Church is not always about hearing what you want to hear or how you want to have your ears itched. And believe me, church is not about a popularity contest. I look way worse than most of the guys that are on the TV and the internet. This is not a face for YouTube or multimedia. Put a bag over it and maybe it'd be even better. But this is not why we're here. We're not here because of the shiny, glitzy promises that are empty to the world. No harm will befall you. Peace, peace, all is well. That's what Jeremiah was hearing with the false prophets in his midst. And as Paul says as well, there will come a time where people will accrue for them false teachers and preachers to have their earthly desires and to have their ears itched. Tell me what I want to hear. Now this is also, though, not a place where we are going to sit here and say, it's us versus them. That we as Lutherans, maybe even particularly we here at Grace Lutheran Church, are so much better off and so much more faithful and even so much more Lutheran than those other Christians or other Lutherans out there. Be careful lest you think you stand and you fall. It's hard enough being a Christian in the 21st century. It's hard enough going out into this world and saying that we believe that Jesus Christ has died and risen from the dead. And it's hard enough to hold on to that confession of the faith. But when we start eating up our others, our other brothers and sisters, when we start stamping down those who are confessing the same faith of us, maybe a different denomination, but nonetheless those who are going out faithfully doing this, then we're doing ourselves no service. Nor are we doing any service to them. The onus is on you 
today. The onus is on you. The sheep judge the shepherd. How much scripture do you know? How can you tell with what I'm speaking today is true or false? It's been a year. This past Monday was a year of my installation. That went quick. So how do you know? It's very simple. We Lutherans make it very, very simple. Today's sermon is the six essential steps to judge your shepherd. The six essential steps to judge your shepherd. You all ready? You've never heard this before. I guarantee it. Step number one, the Ten Commandments. See, preaching the law of God. Love your God, love your neighbor as yourself. If he's not doing it, call him out on it. Is he preaching that Jesus Christ fulfilled the law? If he's not, then call him out on it. Is he preaching that God holds the law against us and that by that law he tells us we are nothing but sinners in the hands of God who will put us to death? If he's not, then hold him out on it. Step number two, the Apostles' Creed. Is he pointing to the Trinitarian God, God who created the heavens and the earth? Is he pointing to Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who has redeemed us by his blood and his resurrection? Is he pointing to the Holy Spirit who keeps you in this faith, who says to you, you did not choose God, but God chose you, who keeps you in this baptismal grace? If he's not doing it, then boot the man out. Step number three, you got this down? The Lord's Prayer. Is he pointing you how to speak to God? Is he pointing you that this prayer is the greatest prayer that you could have ever been given and that every time you say, Lord, teach us how to pray, Jesus says, do this. Is he pointing to you the fact that this prayer points out everything that Jesus has done for you and will continue to do for you in body and soul? If he's not telling you that this is how you should begin all of your prayers, then boot the man out. Step number four. Confession and absolution. Or maybe baptism, however you want to order these things. But let's go with confession and absolution. Is he pointing to you the fact that you should confess your sins, repent of everything, confess these things, change your ways, and that God will point you to that blood of Christ which is shed for you? The fact that Jesus says, I forgives you, forgive you means that it is all taken away, wiped clean, your slate is clean, his sins are no longer remembered by the heard words of the pastor and each other that God forgives you your sins. And that is his eternal promise by his shed blood. If he's not giving you this, then throw the man out. Step five, baptism. Is he pointing to you the fact that this is where God gives you his name? where you're given the gift of the Holy Spirit, where you're having all of your sins washed away, that you walk in Christ day by day as a baptized heir of everlasting life given in this wondrous gift, that nothing can take away this washing and regeneration by God's Word attached to the water, promised by the power of the Holy Spirit. If that's not the case, throw the man out. And guess what step number six is? The supper that the fruits of Jesus' cross, His body and precious blood, are given in and with the bread and wine for the forgiveness of sins and for the strengthening of your faith. Oh, how we need the strengthening of faith.
so much in these days, these gray and latter days, as we sang of in that wonderful hymn that you might have looked at and said, this is hard to sing. This is really dark, our futile birth. Right! In sin my mother conceived me, and the same with you. Is the pastor, the shepherd, the under-shepherd pointing to you about this wondrous means of grace where Jesus comes to give you himself, to bring you into communion with himself and one another, to strengthen your faith in him and in your fervent love toward one another. If not, send the guy to the curb. That's all we say. That's all we're looking for. That's the joy and the true beauty of Luther's small catechism. It wasn't some 16th century dead white guy who came up with this and said, this sounds good to me, I'll put my name on it. It is the scriptural basis for the church at large, the one holy Christian and apostolic church. And it's happening all throughout the, worlds and pla- the world in places that we don't even know of. It's happening here. But be on guard. Don't take this for granted. And by all means, if I am not giving this to you, call me out on it and kick me to the curb if you have to. Because Jesus will still have his way with or without me, with or without any false preacher, any kind of preacher, because this is his church. He's established it by his name. He is the Lord of the church, and he has told us the gates of hell shall not prevail over it. What is the answer to the question that I asked you today? Why are you here? What do you want to hear? What are you trying to get out of all of this here today? It's very simple. It's a Sunday school answer. Jesus. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.